Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us again for tonight's program. If you're praying that God might make your life easier, be careful. Because the testimony of the Old Testament is that when we have everything we need, we forget the one who supplies our need. Historically, when God wanted to speak to his people, he often sent a prophet and spoke through them. We've spent much time considering the life of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah and just last week the work of his contemporary Zephaniah. Both prophets indicted the leaders of Jerusalem for the pitiful spiritual state of Israel, warning that Jerusalem faced imminent destruction at the hand of the Babylonians unless they repented, and declaring that God was going to establish a new covenant which would be open to the people from all nations. And that includes us. What message is there for us today? Well, let's join Dr. Corbett as he continues with the life and message of Zephaniah. We are looking at Zephaniah, so we could have a little contest and see who would be the first one to find Zephaniah in their Bible. Zephaniah is the ninth of the minor prophets. He was from the family tree of King Hezekiah, which makes him a royal prophet. King Hezekiah was uh, one of the good kings and at the time Zephaniah prophesied which we'll see in a moment he was a contemporary of Jeremiah he initially he was a contemporary of Jeremiah and he makes the point that he's a descendant of Hezekiah one of the last righteous kings and around his time was King Josiah who was also a righteous king and after Josiah had died the kings of Judah descended into depravity and he addresses some of that in his book but like Jeremiah he also concludes his book by giving tremendous hope and I want to show you that there is a lot of similarities between them in fact I'm going to make a, a point about that in a moment so he is the prophet who gives hope and this is a quote taken out of the last chapter of this book uh, of, of Zephaniah chapter 3. So I want you to see that he and Jeremiah bore a lot of similarities. In fact, I'm going to say that the book of Zephaniah is what we might call an executive summary. And if you are familiar with an executive summary, sometimes a, a corporate executive could be presented with a three or four hundred page report and no executive got the time to read all the detail of that straight away. So they get given a front page which summarises those three or four hundred pages into one page and that's called an executive summary. So the 52 chapters of Jeremiah might be summarised in the three chapters of Zephaniah. And I hope to show you the similarities between them so that you can recognise that they are not two completely disconnected prophets or two disconnected books, but they are in fact connected very intrinsically to each other. I've mentioned that Zephaniah was initially a contemporary of Jeremiah. So he was a bit older than Jeremiah and he was prophesying uh, around the start of when Jeremiah was called by God and became a prophet himself. Both of these prophets, because they are contemporaries, because I'm, I'm suggesting to you, the three chapters of Zephaniah remarkably resemble the book of Jeremiah. We're going to see that they had the same audience. They both prophesied to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. At that time, Jerusalem was a city of somewhere around 25,000 people or so. And everything seemed to be going well. But God had put it on the hearts of both 
uh, Zephaniah and Jeremiah that all was not okay. Let's have a look at this. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of wickedness. deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. Temple of the Lord. For if you truly execute justice, one with another, and if you do not oppress the alien or shed innocent blood in this place, I will let you dwell in this place, in the land I gave of old to your fathers forever. You trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense the Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me? in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered only to go on committing all these abominations behold i myself have seen it says the lord he has prophesied <laughs> Hilkiah, you spoke well of this boy, but to us it looks like he is beside himself with emotion. 
You served us well and you may return, but I do not want to see your son here again. Understood. In Zephaniah, turn to chapter 3 and verse 1. You might like to follow this along with me. It says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled the oppressing city. Verse 2, she listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. And she does not draw near to her God. As you can see, taken from the book of Jeremiah, the prophecies of both Zephaniah and Jeremiah parallel. Both of the prophets also firmly and squarely laid the blame for Jerusalem and Judea's plight, firmly and squarely at the feet of the nation's leaders, particularly their spiritual leaders. Zephaniah goes on in the next verse and says what Jeremiah says. It says, Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. So we have officials, we have judges. It goes on in verse 4. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. Let's have a look at this. this audience but it'll be your last what is of such importance that you risk your life to see me obey i beseech thee the voice of the lord which i speak unto thee and your life will be saved and the city will not be burned so now you're speaking for the lord again well never mind our armies are prepared how can you continue to lie to yourself as well as your people truth is in the eye of the beholder the word of the lord which i speak to thee is the truth what the Lord which you ask me to seek is science! If God has something to say to me, why does he send you to tell me? Why would the Lord speak to you unless you've committed your life to him? I have. I'm erecting monuments to false gods! Make your life a living monument to the word of God. It is as my people desire. You are king. They look to you for leadership. Your pursuit of your own pleasure, wealth, and power have taught the people to trust in false gods. You have led them to believe that the one true God is not enough. You have destroyed the kingdom God has promised. You have not attended to them. So God will attend to you for your evil. Jeremiah. I cannot. 
you surrender to Babylon, my people will turn on me. If I do, they'll kill me. No, no, that will not happen. You will live. But as a slave, I will never live as a slave. You are a slave, even now. Similarities continue between Zephaniah and Jeremiah. Both of the prophets pleaded with Jerusalem's leaders to seek God, who had proven himself to be good. The psalmist's expression, he is the faithful God, and the prophets pointed to God as the faithful God. Zephaniah goes on in verse 5 of chapter 3, The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. Verse 6, I've cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I've laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. Both of these prophets revealed just how patient God had been with Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Judea. And yet, despite God's patience toward them, they saw that as him permitting their depravity to continue and their depravity grew deeper. Zephaniah 3.7 I said, surely you will fear me, you will accept correction then your dwelling would not be cut off to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Where are your Egyptians now? We have three or four months, perhaps as much as a year. It will give us time to appeal to the Pharaoh. The great Nebuchadnezzar will be satisfied with some territory where they can put up a garrison. My lord.
I must ask you if you have any word from the Lord. Speak! Don't test my patience. What have I done to offend you? That would cause you to put me in prisons. You said things that caused rancor among my people. I spoke the truth. Where are your prophets now who said Babylon will not come against you or this land? I have not called you here to condemn me. I have called you here to speak to me of God's will. I have nothing further to say. What? You, who predicted the Egyptians would turn back and they did? You, who predicted the death of Hananiah after he smashed the yoke from your neck and who died within the year, just as you said. You, who prophesied the Babylonian army would attack and now they lay siege to our city as they have done for the last two years. You, the great prophet, have nothing further to say? You had an opportunity to please the Lord. But you didn't have the courage to stand by what you knew to be true. What? Oh, forgive me, oh Lord. Is that all you have left? The ability to grovel at the feet of your king. If you want answers, turn to God. Take this man, this prophet, out of my sight, go, leave. Both Zephaniah and Jeremiah prophesied that Jerusalem would be destroyed by the invading Babylonians, and that eventually, just as they both prophesied, Jeremiah? Yes. I am Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the guard of Babylon. How do you know me? Every Babylonian soldier knows of Jeremiah. My king, Nebuchadnezzar, has commanded me to set you free. Both prophets prophesied that because Israel, Judah, had broken the old covenant, the promises associated with that covenant contain a little word, if. And because they had broken that covenant according to the if word of Deuteronomy 26 and 27, they would be spewed out of the land and forfeit their inheritance. But both prophets prophesied that God would establish a new covenant, a new covenant where he would invite all people, not just those of Abraham's physical seed, but all people. Notice how Jeremiah describes it as he looks at his city burn. The temple shall be rebuilt. 
next time it shall also be built in the hearts of men. There he was with Baruch, his secretary, who wrote down what he prophesied, and the eunuch Ebed Melech, who remained loyal to him and faithful to him. Zephaniah put the promise of the new covenant this way in verse 19. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Verse 20. At that time I will bring you in. At that time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Jeremiah takes a few chapters to talk about this covenant, as you would expect the executive summary is just a few verses. And in Jeremiah 31, reading from verse 31, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Verse 32, Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers. This is not a renewed covenant. This is a new covenant. Not a covenant about dirt and land, but a covenant that's in the heart where those physical things become the spiritual realities they were always meant to represent. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And these are the words that were shared at a Jewish wedding, a wedding representing what we call a covenant, a covenant meaning an unbreakable agreement between two parties. And God says, though I was a husband to Israel and they broke off they walked away from me we read in jeremiah 3 verse 8 that he was about to divorce them for their unfaithfulness and that brings about an end to that old covenant relationship with israel that's why today when people are looking forward to god possibly restoring israel to the land i think they just don't understand the message of the old testament at all and probably don't fully appreciate the message of the New Testament. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 6, Now all these things took place as examples for us. Paul the Apostle speaking of the things, the accounts of the Old Testament, that we might not desire evil as they did. What led Israel into this parlous state? What led Judah and Jerusalem into such depravity? They had comfort, they had success, they had wealth, they had provision. 
and yet they neglected God in that process. What can we learn as the Apostle Paul says, these things are written as examples for us. If you're praying that God might make your life easier, be careful. Because the testimony of the Old Testament is that when we have everything we need, we forget the one who supplies our need. The testimony is that when, as Paul says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, that we confuse God's kindness and his patience with his approval. We forget that when God is patient with us, he's longing for us to return to him. And Israel didn't. These are some of the lessons we, we learn, apart from the fact that I hope you've, you've captured a glimpse out of the portrayal of Jeremiah as someone who was called from a very young age, around about the age of 12, who began prophesying in his teen years. And as every priest participates in their first sacrifice at the age of 20, we see a portrayal of him in that film clip where he would have been 20 years of age incredibly young speaking to the king thus says the lord and i wonder if we as a church can have the courage of our convictions to be able to declare the word of the lord in a way where i i like the way that that clip shows him with mataniah who became king zedekiah his name was changed by king nebuchadnezzar as a sign of his power over him and he put his hands on his cheeks looked him in the eyes and said turn to God can we speak with prophetic tenderness can we speak with prophetic courage can we say to this generation these things that you're doing the way you're treating the most vulnerable the very things that Jeremiah prophesied about when they were taking their young children and slaughtering them as newborn babies in the furnace at Tophet when they were taking their elderly and discarding them when they were doing things to women that should never be done treating women as things and property committing adulteries and immoralities and then worshiping false gods the three eyes that we've looked at through jeremiah idolatry immorality and neglecting god's word which we call ignorance These are the things that we see Jeremiah and Zephaniah addressing. And I see these things as so incredibly relevant for today. So relevant. I'm not the first one to see it. Others foresaw this. It was Francis Schaeffer who wrote a book based on Jeremiah about where society was heading. And he wrote that book, I think, in the 1970s. And here we are, 40 or so years later, And we're exactly where Francis Schaeffer said we would end up if we kept going in the trajectory we were heading in. And here we are. And while churches are in decline, I pray that our church can be the kind of church that God foresaw through the prophet Jeremiah. A church where he writes his law on our hearts, where he he puts his word in our hearts and he puts his spirit in our lives. And we, as the new covenant people of God, We say, God, we need you. God, we want you. God, help us to reach out to others with a zeal that these prophets had. Is that your prayer? I hope that we, as the people of God, are prepared to show the kind of courage that we see modelled by these prophets. Would you please stand with me? Perhaps... You've never surrendered your life to Christ. And as 
Jeremiah spoke directly into the heart of King Zedekiah and told him, you already are a slave. A slave of those things that are destroying you. And how many people in our society now recognize they already are slaves? They already are. And Christ has come to set us free. So let's pray. Let's pray as a church that God would give us a courage and a fearlessness to serve him. That God would enable us to reach out, as Marcus said, and invite people to come through these doors Sunday by Sunday. That God would give us the gumption to be able to speak his word, to be able to stand for what's right and true, to be able to speak the truth with a tenderness, with a tenderness. So Father, I pray for us, the church, that you would help people to come into this place and find that you are the God who was for them, not against them. You are the God who is crazy about them, mad about them, not mad at them. That people might come to know you as a good, faithful God. That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Zephaniah Part 2 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, both Jeremiah and Zephaniah carried the same message of repentance. Their message also told of the new covenant established by Jesus Christ in the New Testament that was for all the nations, and that includes us today. More from Dr. Corbett next week as he concludes his 200-part series on Jeremiah. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.